I want to be talking to you today out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. And this is what it says. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now, if you ask most people what, what is the preaching of the cross, and why does that particular event, what it is about that event on that particular day, on that hill of, of Calvary, that makes, that makes that such a powerful, life-changing event? The Apostle Paul knew it. But when you ask most people today, and you look at what the cross and the preaching of it means, they don't really have an answer for you. Most people say, well, that's where Jesus died for our sins. That's a very, very low-hanging fruit kind of a light answer that most people really can't explain past that. But there's a lot of information about the preaching of the cross that is very, 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 very important. And why it's such a life-changing event that happened over 2,000 years ago. There are a lot of things. There are four truths, four absolutes that converged on that one day. And that's what makes this such a powerful event. One time in history, these four truths came together, these four absolutes, and it was all put together and come together that day when Jesus hung on the cross. Nothing else in history has ever done this. But these four absolutes converged on that day. That one day, and I'm going to go into these separately, evil, love, justice, and forgiveness came together. Evil, love, justice, and forgiveness came together. All in one place, all in one man, all converged together and was all taken care of, all in one epic event. And most people do not know this. How does Jesus, how does believing and putting your trust and faith in Christ, how does Going back to that event, because everything that we trust in Christ goes back to that event. That's where the life-changing, born-again experience takes place at, at that one epic event. You can't make something happen. You can't make yourself saved. You can't be good enough. You can't do certain things. You have to be taken back in faith believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ where evil, love, justice, and forgiveness came together and converged in one place. 
You have to go back to that. If you don't, you're, you're, you're doing this in vain. Okay? No other religion offers this because it was one God and it was the Son of the living God hanging on the tree who paid the wages of sin. And we're going to talk about this. Might as well just go into it. Four absolutes found at the cross of Jesus. These four converged in one moment in history on Calvary's hill. Evil. The presence of evil caused God to formulate a plan to deliver man at the cross of Calvary. It was an evil display. The cross was. The evil in the heart of man was displayed to the utmost when they took an innocent man who knew no no evil at all and punished him as a sinner in the worst way that a man could be punished by hanging him on the cross when he had done absolutely nothing. Evil was made known. When Jesus went to the cross, it was the absolute most utmost display of man's decadent, fallen, evil heart that put him there. Do you understand where I'm going? If you want to see evil, all you have to do is look at mankind back in that day and today. Because let me tell you, we would put him on the cross today. Your sins and my sins put him on the cross. It was evil that put him there in the first place. It was a display of absolute evil in the heart of man. For they went through a mock trial. They had liars come in who intentionally told lies against him to get him to be condemned to death. All this was done as Jesus was present. He didn't say a word. God the judge was was watching all this. It was put on display. You see here God look how evil people are. They need a savior. Evil was put on display. This is what I'm going to take care of. It was an absolute, absolute display of evil. When an innocent man whose crime was love was put on the tree and condemned as the worst of criminals. When he had done absolutely nothing wrong. So to the forefront, man's evil heart was brought. Something had to be done about it. In that, the, another absolute, another truth that converged on, day, on that day was love. The absolute presence and absolute agape love of God was displayed in the fact that in that purest of evil... Love put him on the cross as well. Because he says this, he says, even in the presence of all this evil, he says, nobody takes my life, I'm giving it. So it took absolute love for Jesus Christ 
to hang upon the cross. He said, no greater love does any man have than when he lays his life down for his friends. He said, they're not taking it from me. I'm giving it. So the absolute presence of evil was there and the absolute presence of love was there. Love was getting ready to conquer evil. This is the only way that you can overcome this in your own personal life is you have to go back to the day when these all converged and became an epic event in one man's place in time. And when he cried upon the cross, it is finished. It was all settled. So the absolute presence of love, it was love that kept Jesus from calling down legions of angels to come and rescue him. It was love that caused Jesus to put up with one he knew who would betray him. It was love that that Jesus knew that for just a few pieces of silver, Judas would turn him over to the high priest and to this Sanhedrin court that would have a mock trial, would beat him, scourge him, pull his beard out, pierce him with nine inch nails, and crucify him after they bludgeoned him with a cat of nine tails. He knew that that was going to happen. He knew exactly every word that every man was going to say, and yet he did it anyway. It was love that did that. It was love that touched the leper and healed him. It was love for the widow at Nain that when he touched the casket, her son came back to life. It was love that caused him to do every single thing that he did, the love of God in his heart. So in this one epic event, we have the most epic show of love that anyone could ever do. And that is go through a mock trial, be hung on a tree, and just for, the, for, for, the, for man to have a chance at innocence. Love did that. The truth of love. Justice was present. It was absolute justice as God honored His own law and sent His Son to death and sentenced Him to death on that day. The one who didn't deserve it became sin The scripture says, he that knew no sin became sin. And God, in his ultimate act of justice, gave to the Christ the just deserves of becoming sin, and that was death. So the absolute presence of God's justice was displayed On that one epic event, when Jesus cried, it is finished, and he died. Justice prevailed. The fulfillment of the law took place. The convergence of the truth of justice happened. We have the presence of evil coming together. We have the presence of love coming together. Now we have the presence of justice 
coming together, meeting there in one moment in time to one man who didn't deserve it, but God displayed His justice on him. The Scripture says He cried, it is finished. He even cried, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, He says. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As God, for in, in, in His ultimate love for His Son, knowing that His Son had done nothing wrong, God in an ultimate act of justice had to turn His back on His only begotten Son who knew no guile but became sin to rescue us all for the death sentence that was coming to us. So God executed justice on one man instead of the whole world. Oh man. Now we're starting to get a look at why the preaching of the cross is such a powerful thing. Well, that's nice where Jesus, forgive me of my sins. You see how such a Light answer that is to such an epic thing. All of this was going on. The one other truth that happened was the truth of forgiveness. Which was the most important one, I think, you know, I mean, when it comes to us. All of them are extremely important, but you have the presence of evil. You have the presence of love. You have justice converging right here. And because the wages of sin was paid. You see, the scripture says the wages of sin is death. No matter what sin you've committed and you've committed it. You all have committed sin in this room. You commit one sin, it's a death sentence in the eyes of God. Have you stolen anything? Yes, you have. Have you told a lie? Yes, you have. Have you looked at someone with lust? Yes, you have. Have you stolen things? What? All the commandments. You in your own mind, you know that if I was to question you, you would have to admit you're a lying, thieving, blasphemer, adulterous, fornicator. And by that you would, the wages of that is death. You're guilty, so am I. Because we're human, we're guilty, we can't, get, we can't help it, we're going to fall to that. And so forgiveness had to be somewhere in this equation. The wages of sin had to be dealt with. So is the epic presence of all these truths and, 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 and all of these absolutes come together and converge. At the very end, the wages of sin had to be taken care of. So Christ comes into the, to the equation. God sees His sacrifice. And God says, You have successfully paid for the sins of the world. For everyone who will ever live, My Son, in whom I am well pleased, thank God, 
You have successfully with your life's blood paid the wages of sin for the world. And so now when we walk into the courtroom of God on our death date, to those of us who have placed our trust and faith, when we've been preached the cross, and we've seen it as the power of God unto salvation, when we've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, when we have accepted Him in truth, and sincerity, and placed our trust in Him. God looks at you because of this epic convergence of these truths, and these absolutes, and because you placed your faith in the one man who was there at that epic moment that paid the wages, He said, hey, somebody's already paid your fine, Tom. You're free to go. Welcome in. My good and faithful servant. Well done. Not that your deeds has done you any good. The one thing that he's pleased about. Is you believed in his son. That's what the well done my good and faithful servant is for. He doesn't care about how many times you fed the homeless. Or you gave food to someone. Or you gave clothes to someone. Or you mowed someone's yard. He's pleased at the fact that you understand the preaching of the cross and the convergence of these truths and absolutes and you understood it and you placed your faith in Jesus and you got saved. The plan of God was activated in your life and you were born again and you're exonerated from the death sentence which was coming to you. Do you understand now? How important that cross was. He paid the wages that you couldn't pay. It was more than you have. You couldn't live 10 million lifetimes and do enough good deeds. It disturbs me greatly when I see religious people trying to work themselves into heaven. You're negating these absolutes. You're negating the fact that it was Jesus that paid the wages, not you. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough. You can't go anywhere and do it. You can't live enough lifetimes to pay the wages. You don't have it. Do you see? Being good should be the reason because your wages has been paid. The preaching of the cross. Now let me read this verse again. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. How can someone not understand what I just told you? How can someone think that that was foolish. Do you see why the life of Jesus is so much greater than is the only one who can pay your wages, not Buddha, not Islam. There was one man that did that. 
Not so all these other religions can claim they're going to heaven. No, you have got to believe in the one who paid the wages. Do you see? Religion disturbs me. Because it says, do this, be this, achieve this. You can't. When will you know that you've done enough? To the Jehovah's Witnesses, how many doors do you got to knock on before you know you're going to heaven? Thank God it's not up to us. It's not up to me to declare you righteous. I can't. I can't. I can't put out a booklet here in this church and say, okay, here's our doctrine and usage book. If you do this, you're going to heaven. I can't say we're going to have an in-service day today. That's what they call it in the Jehovah's Witnesses realm. We're going to have an in-service today. Today we're going to go knock on 45 doors. Well, is 45 enough? Or was it 40 doors is enough? Or do I need 55? Would that be enough? Will the wages of my sins be paid so that God would exonerate me in His high court of the law and declare me innocent and righteous and justified in His eyes and give me salvation and give me the entrance into heaven that I'm looking for? Is it 45 doors, Linda? Is it 55? Is it 105? Will it be 10 yards that I've mowed? Will it be how many pairs of pants that I gave the homeless? Will it be how many truckloads of food that I gave to the hungry? How many? There ain't none. There's no amount. You got to hit your knees. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Ooh, but listen. But unto us which are being saved, it is the power of God. Power in the fact that when I believe, in the man who hung on the cross, it changed my life. Someone once told me that they, they're, they're getting saved. They just couldn't detect it in their heart. It was more of a process for them. Oh, really? No. You haven't received yet. But they said, but my business started growing when I started. Are you crazy? Satan can give you the gifts of this world. And to the untrained mind, to the untrained mind, that can confuse you. Because you don't know the epic importance of these truths. Success in this world does not mean success for the next. If that's the case, all the apostles went to hell. Most of them died in obscurity. Poverty. Jesus never had a yacht. Never had anything. As a matter of a fact, the greatest man that ever lived, the Son of the living God, only had a seamless robe in which they gambled for at His death. Satan loves to take people's attention off of these 
absolutes. Off of the cross of Christ. He doesn't want you to believe that your wages have been paid as long as you believe it in Him. And I'm not talking about believing in Him as a fact, as I've told you before. I'm not talking about acknowledging Him. I'm talking about, listen to me, placing your trust in Him. Bowing before Him, declaring Him and accepting Him to be your personal Lord and Savior. It'd be like walking into a court of law today. And someone, and you had one million dollars worth of parking tickets in which you were going to go to jail for, but some rich man paid it in whom you don't understand, but you walk in and the judge goes, somebody's paid your wages, paid your fine. You're good to go. You didn't have a thing to do with it. The only thing you had to do with it was the accumulation of debt. That's what you did. People say, I love people say, they say, well, I'm, I'm trying to control my debt. I want to be debt free. But daily, have you considered your sin debt? And how that you've maxed that card out a long time ago. And, and you keep asking the devil to raise its value, to raise the, to raise the card's limit. Man, I'm at $20,000 of sin debt. Satan, can you raise it again for me? Because I'm feeling lucky I'm going to go to the casino tonight. Think I'm going to go out and do me some sinning tonight. Raise that debt up for me because I'm about to eat some chocolate, baby. I'm going to go into gluttony here. I need some sin debt. I need some raised value of my sin levels. That's all you've done. I want to make this clear. That's all you've done in this is created the debt that had to be paid. That's all you've done. I want to say again, evil Love, justice, and forgiveness came together in one epic event on a hill called Calvary. And one man paid the wages and gave you the ability to walk free on Judgment Day. I can't tell you any better than that. You know what you need to do. Stand with me.